Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates. Today, I have Haley and Lauren joining me. How are you, ladies? Another day, but thankfully, uh, I'm not in Haley's position where it's icing and freezing, so I'll, I'll take that as a win. Yeah, not really excited that it's like 20 degrees in Texas right now. I know that's nothing compared to like Midwest and East Coast, but it is freezing here and we're not used to it and we're not used to ice everywhere. There's broken trees everywhere from the ice. I have one in my front yard that the branch is like in my driveway. Yeah, they they are legitimately experiencing like northeast winter conditions in Texas right now. Uh, And as a veteran of New England winters uh, living here in Massachusetts, I'm trying so hard every time Haley and Carly and Christian and and so many of our uh, FTF media members uh, are are like updating us on the weather. I'm trying so hard to to not chuckle uh, because I I, I don't want to be rude, but I I just I, I, I keep thinking to myself like, yeah, this is this is nothing. What you guys are experiencing is nothing. I have a, a foot of snow outside my car right now that oh, I had to... It's supposed to snow Monday. Definitely not a foot of snow, but, like, it already snowed this winter, so that's weird. We normally don't get one, let alone two. And then the ice has been the biggest problem because people don't know... They don't know what they're supposed to do. So there's been, like, thousands of really bad accidents because of it. You can't go anywhere. You can't drive because even if you know what you're doing, everybody else on the road doesn't. Yeah, all joking aside, we do hope that everyone stays safe in Texas uh, yeah. right now. It seems like a gigantic Dallas Stars uh, rink uh, out there. Uh, you know, thick sheets of ice on people's cars. Uh, it's you know, Stars fever has clearly uh, taken over, and we're we're just hoping that everyone stays safe and that Texas resumes its normal weather uh, very soon. Uh, and they, you know, they. Stop their imitation of a New England winter. <laughs> right. You don't want it. We promise. <laughs> right. Live in Texas. Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world in general since the last time we all got together. So without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening faceoff. And so besides the weather in Texas, Haley, do you have an opening face-off for us? Anything that's on your mind since the last time we all got together? Um, you know, the only thing is I've still just been so disappointed about women's hockey. Like, that's been something that I've been thinking about since the last time we recorded. Like, it sucks that I can't watch the games. It sucks that they can't play the games, you know, and... I really hope that it will eventually be able to continue and finish out, you know, the see who wins at all. But it just kind of stinks, you know, something you were super excited about and then just really quickly done. Yeah. And Lauren, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's been any update uh, regarding the the uh, the return to play. Uh, it still remains suspended at this time. No plans to resume the semifinals and finals of the Isabel Cup? Yeah, there's been nothing that I've seen or heard. It's, I mean, a lot of the women now are dealing with COVID or the post-COVID effects. And it's just like, it just became a mess so quickly. And like Haley said it perfectly, it just sucks. Like they were getting ready to play their semifinals and finals on NBC. It was going to be so big for them. And it's just, it fell apart. Um, 
And it was really nothing they could have done. I mean, you can't tell these women to quarantine for 10 days prior to getting there or once they get there because they do have jobs they do have to work and it's just a lot of time to take off. But just like just like Haley said, it sucks. I'm, I'm still bummed about it just because they had such a great thing in front of them. And it's just, I mean, hopefully they can resume, whether that's this year or try again next season when hopefully COVID isn't so prominent and still get an NBC kind of deal with their finals and semifinals but uh i'll drink to that pour some out for the nwhl <laughs> yeah absolutely we are uh we are having uh, a little bit of a wine on today's episode because uh what would an episode of snipe and Sully be without making it a hockey and wine podcast so lauren is enjoying a, a nice white i am actually having a red switching things up uh and Haley's actually uh, abstaining today because uh, she did her wine consumption yesterday evening. Uh, yeah, I had a bottle and a half of white wine, so I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. If any wine companies are listening, which we know you are, and you, and you want to sponsor Snipe and Selly, we are actively looking for sponsorship, and we would love to promote your products. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it is rough. Uh, I, I agree with you, Haley and Lauren, uh, you know, I was really starting to get into the NWHL. I was looking forward to the semifinals, but when you have a bubble and you have an outbreak inside the bubble, that's, that's the one disadvantage to a bubble. If, uh, if you have an outbreak inside of it, uh, with everything being contained, it's going to spread quickly. And it did, uh, and things really fell apart at a time when, uh, as we already covered, viewership could not have been going any better. Uh, it was growing by the game. Uh, people, like the I cannot stress enough the con- the content and the experience when watching on Twitch was excellent uh, for fan engagement. So it is disappointing, and and we do hope that eventually, when not only these women are uh, you know clear of any symptoms, uh, but the league can find a location that, uh, you know, they guarantee a safe environment that maybe they can resume play and at least name a champion. That would be fantastic. And I know people would tune in based on the people who were tuning in uh, the couple weeks before the suspension of play. Um, but Lauren, with the exception of NWHL suspension reaction again, uh, do you have an opening face-off for us today? Something that's on your mind. Oh, man, we're trying to pick paint colors right now for our living room. And I, it is just difficult we have about four or five samples on the wall of different grays and it's just like oh my god I just want to I want to be done we picked a nice color for our entryway that's done we picked color for the upstairs hallway that's going to be done soon but we just can't figure out the living room so I I'm about ready to just keep all the samples on and just say it's art and we're done (laughs) living art like literally like in in your room I think that'd be a nice concept but since you said you had a bunch of grays on your wall, may I suggest Stanley Cup silver? Oh, you know, just uh, uh, it's not too different, but it gives you a little a little shine. Uh, I'm just saying. I love that our entryway is teal, so that would go off really nice with that. I mean, I, I know that there are uh, you know, Benjamin Moore has a Fenway Park green. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if there are any uh, paint dealerships out there who uh, are exploring a Stanley Cup silver but if so and you are listening you got to cut us in on that's our idea you got to cut us in on that now I will buy all the paint I'll buy it right now (laughs) I might too I might uh, I might do some Stanley Cup silver throughout my house Um, as for my opening face-off 
I, I just have to address it uh, because I am I am proud of them because they are my New York Islanders in spirit. Uh, but I am also a Boston Bruins fan, hardcore, and it appears that the Bruins kryptonite is none other than my New York Islanders. The the Boston Bruins are ten two and two as we record this episode. They are ten zero and two against any team other than the New York Islanders. They have gotten points. Uh, in every single game, 22 out of a, a possible 24 points in any game, they have not played the New York Islanders. Both games against the New York Islanders, they have lost in regulation. They're only two regulation losses of the season. So to that, I say, we really have to do this six more times. Uh, like that, that's It seems to be the only weakness to the Boston Bruins so far this season. They have come out just tremendous out of the gate. Uh, they look fantastic right now, despite uh, their 4-2 loss to the Islanders last night uh, in Long Island. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, literally just fix the way that you play, the energy you show out in the ice against the New York Islanders, and the things look really good for uh, the Mass Mutual East Division for for the Bruins, if that's the case. So uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see how that develops. But uh, you know, I guess it's not a total loss for me because I have been pumping up the New York Islanders on this podcast since its inception. Uh, they are my my home away from home. I do enjoy my time that I spent with that, uh, that organization. And, uh, but yeah, just cut it out, you know, give, uh, you know, chalk it up to give the Bruins a, a win. But, uh, as of right now, the Isles settled in a playoff spot after a little bit of a slow start. So good for them. But with that being said, I want to kind of, uh, you know, get started here and, uh, and slide into our coast to coast news segment. And there's, there's just a ton of news to cover. And, Really, the team that we have to start with this. I mean, we spent, I think we spent our opening segment last episode, uh, we did like 30 plus minutes on Tony D'Angelo, his release from the Rangers, his uh, burner accounts. Don't worry, uh, we are not doing another episode devoted to Tony D'Angelo, trust me. But our opening segment here might be similar in length. And because we have to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets, we have to. Because the Columbus Blue Jackets, it's like a soap opera. As the world turns in Columbus, uh, a star center traded in Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, a new acquisition, Patrick Laine, benched just a handful of games in. Their best defenseman this season, uh, on a team that has Zach Wierenski and uh, and Seth Jones, uh, has been a PTO uh, invitee in Michael Delzato. Uh, They're... (laughs) They had a sudden retirement mid-season of Miku Koivu. Uh, they've been so inconsistent on and off. All these storylines have happened within the first 15 games. Uh, it is just unbelievable the, the different ups and downs that the Blue Jackets have ex- experienced so far this season. Uh, there, there are publications in Columbus uh, calling for, you know, maybe it's time that John Tortorella era comes to an end. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been just nonstop news out of Columbus. And, and by the way, Patrick Laine scored an absolutely tremendous goal yesterday, uh, maybe a, a few days ago by the time you're listening to this, but a tremendous top-shelf goal reminding everyone that, hey, this is not a guy you should be benching, uh, at, least, at least not uh, you know, more than a shift or two. Uh, still a very big difference maker on the ice. But, Lauren, I'll, I guess I'll just start with you. What do you make out of this situation in Columbus because uh, I just listed off like five or six different things. Like that's a lot of news for a team over the course of a season and maybe like, uh, you know, two seasons. This has happened in, in the course of 15 games. 
you know, what is going on with this team right now as they sit at uh, seven, five, and four? Oh, I don't even know. It's just every day, every week, it's something new from this team. And, you know, I know that when Line A got traded there, people were talking and saying, is Line A a really good fit for to be under torts? Is this going to be another dumpster fire? And it looked like it was going that way. You know, he was benched and then Line A came out and scored. It was a really nice, really nice top shelf goal there. But it was just, I don't know. I don't. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. I don't think this is anywhere close to being done. Um, I think every week we'll be talking about the Blue Jackets for a little while. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're talking about them because they're either sucking or they're just lighting up the league. I I just hate when so much drama consumes teams. It, it, it's entertaining, sure. But at the same time, it's like, what is their end goal here? What is What do the Blue Jackets want to accomplish, whether that's with Line A or as a team? Because... They're not, I mean, they're falling apart, not so much like imploding, like on the ice or whatever, but it's some, there's some disconnect there. Maybe it's with Tortorella, maybe it's with the roster. I don't know, but I just, it, like I said, every day is something new. And it first I was like, oh, this is like hilarious to watch. And now it's just like, okay, this is a dumpster fire. This isn't, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, they have allowed 53 goals, which is third worst in the National Hockey League. The only teams that are worse are the Vancouver Canucks and Ottawa Senators. Uh, were, was anyone on this pod claiming that those teams were going to be good heading into the season? Uh, no, right? Uh, none of us? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I, of course, have jinxed both of those teams. But, yeah, I mean, Columbus, they're... they're despite having two talented goalies in uh, Merzlikens and uh, Corpusalo. They, they can't seem to keep pucks out of the net. They are just maddeningly inconsistent uh, on both the defensive end. This is probably the most anyone has talked about this franchise, uh, despite the fact that they have uh, you know, had a, a few trips to the postseason under John Tortorella. You know, he has helped make that franchise relevant uh, once again. But it just seems like everyone's talking about them for the wrong reasons right now. Uh, they just can't seem to get it right, despite the amount of talent that they have. Uh, Haley, what do you make of some of the drama that you're seeing here between players? Uh, this is, again, the same team that Pierre-Luc Dubois was benched. He wanted out. Uh, they trade for Patrick Laine. He gets benched. Uh, like, it seems like whatever program John Tortorella has put in place here has worked in the past, but it's it's definitely not working right now. Like, uh, you know, what do you make about players just not responding to his, you know, kind of out there philosophy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if the coach and the team can't mesh well together, then you probably need a new coach because you're not going to win if you can't have that winning relationship. You know, just bring in a football analogy with it. Look at Aaron Rodgers' play, as much as I don't like him, this season, you know, when he meshed with his coach versus the previous season. So... Either the coach needs to change his coaching ways to not completely, but enough to where there can be a better working relationship, or maybe they just need a totally different coach. I just feel like that there's so much drama and why is it all? I don't feel like it's always like this. Maybe I just wasn't on a hockey podcast before. So there was plenty of drama. I just wasn't seeing enough of it, but I'm like, are they trying to get a reality TV show deal out of this? Like, what? what is the purpose? No, you're not wrong. Uh, between 
the Tony D'Angelo situation last week and what's going on in Columbus right now, uh, there's far more drama than we're used to seeing across the National Hockey League. It's usually uh, not this exciting in terms of, uh, you know, the gossip pieces that are being put out there. Uh, you know, you have people in uh, the media in Columbus, uh, you know, actively calling for John Tortorella to be fired. We've mentioned on this pod that, listen, that style is not for everyone. Uh, you know, he can be rude and, and terse with the media. Uh, it seems like for the most part, his players respond to him. You have not seen many issues Prior to this season, uh, clearly Pierre-Luc Dubois had issues uh, with Tortorella. Uh, as Lauren pointed out, there were immediate, uh, as soon as that trade was made, immediate concerns voiced what, like whether or not Patrick Laine would fit in in a John Tortorella locker room. And again, he was benched uh, just uh, four games in for the, you know, the better part of the second and third period in a game against Carolina that they, they did end up winning, but it's like... I've, usually, if you bench a player for a shift or two, the message gets across. Uh, right. You know, benching a player for essentially half a game, especially one of your your better scores, I just feel like there's better ways to address that because you are diminishing, you're punishing the rest of your team. Unless you have a player in, uh, you know, what Pierre Luc Dubois did when he was actively, actively coasting around on the ice, putting in zero effort. That I, I can justify benching a player, yeah. but you know Patrick Laine, it just seemed like uh, the issue is that he was on the ice when uh, when a pair of goals uh, were scored. Uh, yeah, I mean, Laine is not known to be, he's not going to win a Selkie trophy. He's not known for his defensive prowess in the ice. He's known as someone who can make up for those goals by scoring one of his own, as we saw you know going top shelf through a defenseman's legs last night. An absolutely beautiful goal. We tweeted the highlight on the Snipe and Selly account. Go check it out. Uh, but it just, I, I don't quite understand this. Uh, you know, Lauren, do you think that some of the media in Columbus is right? Do you think that it might just be time to start fresh with Tortorella? As we've seen in a lot of situations, sometimes a coaching change is what's needed. Uh, I mean, Claude Julian in Boston was a highly successful coach, a Stanley Cup winning coach, and with a very talented roster, it seems like his voice just wasn't being heard anymore. He was dismissed uh, back during the 2017 season. Bruce Cassidy took over, and his winning percentage ever since then is just off the charts. Uh, you know that that's with that same group, basically that same core. Sometimes just a, a coaching change is needed. Do you think that that might be the case in Columbus? It could be. I mean, I don't. I don't want to jump to that right away because I do know Tortorella is a good coach. At the end of the day, um, you know, just in 2019, his his Blue Jackets were playing the Bruins. For a chance to go to the the semifinals or the, the conference finals, I can't remember now. But you know he's not too far removed from having a solid team. Yes, Artemi Panarin was there; it was a different team. But you know that it's hard because we don't see what goes on in the locker rooms. We don't see what is really being said on the bench during intermissions. But it it could it could very well be that I mean, we see it in sports all the time, not just with hockey and. You know, you saw it with the Red Sox when Alex Cora got hired and John Farrell got fired. So it's sometimes that's what they need. They need a change of scenery. They need a fresh voice. Maybe somebody who isn't, uh, I don't want to say as intense, because I think all coaches are intense on different levels, but maybe not a, a Tortorella intense kind of person. Um, he expects a lot out of his team, what coach doesn't. But I think there's ways to go about it. And maybe it's kind of players being sick of that kind of, attitude old school coaching um 
I would say after this season, if it's not a successful season, then yeah, I think Tortorella should be on the hot seat. Absolutely. Um, just from everything that's happened over the last few years and from Dubois to Panarin getting out, it's like, why are you like, why are you even thinking about getting rid of Panarin? Like, why are you not doing anything to bring a player of his caliber back? So that right now I'm going to say no, but it's like 51% to 49%. Like it is, it's right on that line. Yeah. And it's worth noting that, you know, despite all this drama, despite, uh, you know, these, these struggles, the Blue Jackets do find themselves in a playoff spot as of right now. Granted, there's still, you know, a little under uh, about a third, a third of the way into the season. So about two thirds of the season left. So there's, there's, time to change in either direction. But as of right now, they are sitting in, in the, the fourth and final playoff spot in the Discover Central Division. So it's not like they are uh, destitute. Uh, it's just a team that's been inconsistent. And to your point, Lauren, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Tortorella is a bad coach. In fact, his track record speaks for itself. He has been very successful at every level. But, you know, and in the case of, of Claude Julien, the, the example that I brought up earlier, he went uh, to Montreal, which... You know, anyone who follows the NHL knows that Montreal tends to just recycle the same few coaches over and over again because it is a mandate in that organization that uh, coaches do need to be bilingual. They need to be able to speak French. So for that reason, it limits their options. So they usually, between Bob Gainey, Claude Julien, uh, Michel Therrien, they, t- they tend to uh, recycle through coaches. Uh, but he went back to Montreal, and he's built that team back into uh, into a winner. You know, they're, they're fi- they find themselves in second place right now in the Scotia North Division after a surprising playoff run uh, just a few months ago. So uh, sometimes that voice may not be heard in your locker room anymore, but it could be heard very effectively in another one. So, uh, you know, Tortorella not remaining in Columbus, if he were to be let go, doesn't necessarily mean that he couldn't jump somewhere else because uh, we do know that coaches tend to be recycled uh, to franchises that are, are not just Montreal and uh, and him to have success there. So um, I personally, I think that this season will be completed with John Tortorella behind the bench. I do think that he will complete the season there I, unless they go into an absolute tailspin. But I don't think there's any guarantees beyond that, especially if the team ends up missing the playoffs or has a, you know, a first-round exit. I could see the team deciding to start fresh, especially if they hope to keep a player like Patrick Laine around long-term. Uh, Haley, you know, gun to your head, do you think that uh, John Tortorella ends the season as the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets? Just uh, you know, prediction from your gut. This season, yes. But if they don't do well... And it's the this constant headline of drama next season? No. Okay, so I think we're all kind of aligned here. that We think that Tortorella most likely survives the end of the season in Columbus. But I don't know. It just it, Unless something drastic changes, it just doesn't seem like he has a long-term future there. It seems like you know, that voice might be starting to fall on deaf ears. And, you know, again, it, it just it happens. So we'll have to see what, uh, what happens with Columbus moving forward again. You know, players like Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, they continue to struggle. You have to think that they're going to turn it around at some point. You know, Michael Delzato is not going to be your best defenseman all, all season long. Uh, he was a PTO player for a reason. Uh, you know, he's washed out of a few organizations. It is great to see him uh, resurfacing and playing well in Columbus. But I think they just have too much talent for this to continue much longer. Uh, Miku Koivu deciding that he was going to retire 
mid-season. That seems weird. Uh, you know, at, uh, he was he had played a long career. I think he had a 14 or 15-year career. Uh, long-time player, long-time captain of the Minnesota Wild. Maybe he just felt suddenly that he didn't have it anymore. But I don't know, 15 games in, that kind of gives me a weird feeling, too. Like, maybe he was like, you know what? It's just not worth dealing with <laughs> all, the, all that's going on in this locker room right now. I was you know, 50-50 on continuing to play anyway, and I don't like this guy. I'm just going to hang up my skates and uh, go home to my family. Maybe that was the case, but uh, I don't know. Something is weird there, and I feel like we're going to learn something new very soon. I just, uh, I have a feeling. So we'll have to see how that develops. We'll certainly touch on it on future episodes if it does. But I want to touch on, I want to touch on something interesting because uh, for any anyone who listened to our past episodes, you know, uh, we do want to, uh, you know, share some of those with you again. I think we're, we're going to maybe drop some retro review episodes. Uh, but we had a really, really funny episode where we talked about some of the worst jerseys in NHL history. Haley, one of our wonderful line mates, decided to roast a jersey that had not even been worn yet. That, uh, <laughs> that had just been announced. How's it was bad? <laughs> It was just announced like 24 hours prior to us recording that episode, so our timing could not have been more perfect. Uh, but she decided to roast the new Las Vegas Golden Knights third jersey. Uh, she ranked it as one of the ugliest jerseys in NHL history. Um, again, we're going to dig up that episode and, uh, and reshare it because I, I think that people got a real kick out of it. We got a lot of engagement, a lot of feedback from that episode, so we'll have to bring it back. But the reason why I bring this up is because the Las Vegas Golden Knights are committing another uniform faux pas. Uh, I, when I was in youth hockey and even up through like the uh, high school bantam uh, midget level, I would see every once in a while people, uh, a player, you know, one of my teammates or someone who I was playing against had this a weird helmet, like whether it was chrome or like the plastic that was see-through, uh, like weird colors. I would see that every now and then. The Las Vegas Golden Knights have taken that and dialed it up to 11, playing a game the other night with golden chrome helmets, like super shiny helmets. If you missed this for whatever reason, please uh, Google it because I don't know if they're going to wear these again. Uh, but this was just absolutely ridiculous to see. Uh, it was – and the Twitterverse really took this by storm. Uh, so in – in their game last uh, last Thursday night against the Anaheim Ducks, the Knights did, de again, they debuted these r r super shiny helmets. Uh, it uh, the, the, the Golden Knights were having fun with it on Twitter. It just, it, <laughs> I can't believe that this was approved for play in a National Hockey League game. Uh, it just, it, it, it's super distracting. I was watching highlights and you can see like the gleam on the helmets bouncing around the ice. It's it's really weird. I don't know if they did this uh, just for uh, just for kicks, uh, but you had a bunch of players who looked like C three PO from Star Wars out there. Uh, so Haley, I wanted to go to you first on this. What are your thoughts on the uh, the golden chrome helmets that the that the Knights wore? Do you think they'll ever bring them back? And what are your just honest to god thoughts on them in general? Listen, I didn't think it could get much worse than their glittery gold shit jerseys, but they went ahead and made helmets to go along with these terrible jerseys. Like they didn't 
realize how bad it was in the first place. So they went ahead and they made it worse. Um, they're terrible. Why would you wear them? Why would you think that they were cool? I don't know. But there, there's probably people listening that do. That's fine. That's cool. That's your style. But I think they're terrible. I would never want to wear it or like wear that jersey either just to bring that one back in here. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they wore them again, to be honest, but they shouldn't. Please don't. They're terrible. I mean, this has been super polarizing uh, across NHL Twitter because there are a bunch of people who think that this that these are really cool as well, uh, which I don't quite understand. Uh, I'm not trying to be a snob by any means. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I like teams experimenting with different uniforms, even if we end up roasting them later. But the helmets are a different thing. Like I saw people getting hot and bothered about like ads on uh, on the helmets earlier this season. We talked about it on the show. How people were getting real bent out of shape about uh, helmet sponsors. Uh, that I thought was uh, was dumb for people to uh, you know get uh, you know get all hot and bothered about. But this is another level. This is legitimately an eyesore. Lauren, what do you think about these golden chrome helmets? So I would like them if they were just for warm ups. Um, I think they're fun. But seeing them for 60 minutes on, in game action, it's it's a lot. It, and I have very sensitive eyes. Like going back to, I think when the Celtics played Miami and they had those like pink and blue jerseys with the court all pink and blue. Like my eyes were really, really not okay. And same thing with this. It's just, it's a lot to take in. It's it's a fun experiment. It's it's obviously very, very different. Um, good for warm-ups, not good for the game. Um but I don't hate them, but I hate them for more than 10 minutes. I think it's the best way to describe it. Like when I saw the picture on Twitter, I, I thought my first instinct was like someone is really good with Photoshop. Like so, this isn't real. This isn't actually happening because I hadn't seen anything announced that, uh, that they were going to be trying this because I know that teams have been uh, you know, trotting out their reverse retro jerseys and there's usually been an announcement in advance like, hey – uh, you know, the, the, the ducks are bringing back the cartoon, like the wild wing, uh, jerseys tonight. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the Kings are bringing back the, uh, the purple and, and, and gold, uh, throwbacks. Uh, usually there's some sort of an announcement. I didn't see anything related to these helmets. Maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough, but I just, I, I couldn't find anything. And when I found out they were real, I, I thought the same thing, like this is going to get really like tiring really quickly. And just in watching highlights in those games, in that game against the Ducks, I was like, oh my God, I would actually be really pissed if I were a member of the Anaheim Ducks. Like that's, that's got to like stick in your peripheral vision. Uh, I'm just, I'm surprised. They did it, Mark. You just cracked the code. That's why they did it. (laughs) Are the Golden Knights cheaters? Ooh, hot take. All right, so uh, you know we're gonna go all uh, Roger Goodell on them to, to transfer sports. We're gonna strip them of, of draft picks. Uh, this is uh, damaging to the integrity of the sport, and uh, yeah, we're going to—they're gonna rue the day that they put these golden helmets on. Helmet gate. Helmet gate. Yes, helmet yes. gate. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's that's that's totally going in our episode description. Thank you, Haley. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, it's not a huge deal. I just, I'm, I'm surprised that these were approved for play. Uh, like Lauren said, I, if they were worn during warmups, I think that'd be very cool. Usually you'll see teams uh, like the Bruins uh, for like, you know, 
salute to service. Sometimes they would wear like uh, camouflage jerseys and warm ups, and then uh, you know obviously remove them for uh, for actual gameplay. But yeah, I just I, I cannot believe that this was allowed during a game. I feel like this was like the limit. Like you do see in other sports, you know, some NFL teams have like different sheen helmets, like matte finish. The Jacksonville Jaguars had some of the worst helmets I've ever seen uh, in any sport. This might trump that. Uh, I think the Golden Knights uh, officially, like Jacksonville Jaguars, you're off the hook. The Golden Knights have the uh, have trotted out the worst helmets in sports history. Uh, they're just they're that bad. Uh, and if you are, I'd love to get some some feedback on this. So if you are in favor of these helmets, if you think they're great, please tweet at us at Snipe and Selly Pod. I would love to hear from you. I'd like to know why you think they're they're so great. Uh, it's just it. They they seem like a, a a real eyesore, and maybe I'm making too much out of it. But I just I, I would be really annoyed to play against the the Golden Knights if they were to wear these. And uh, I I'm I wonder if the Ducks players felt that way. I genuinely do. I, I don't know. I don't remember reading any comments about it. But uh, it just seems like it was a, a a promotional thing that hopefully does not happen again. I don't know if they plan on wearing these again. I feel like a team would not go through the effort of producing these helmets for them to be a one and done thing. Uh, so maybe they'll, they'll break them out again this season and uh, we will be prepared to roast them again if they do uh, for helmet gate. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but stepping away from, from uniform stuff, I, we need to touch on this because listen, it's already been a weird season. It's uh, you know, you have uh, teams pausing their season due to, to COVID uh, you know, COVID restrictions being loosened and then tightened and changed. We'll get to that in a little bit. But right now we have this one of the weirdest schedule wrinkles of all time. Uh, the, the, the NHL schedule this season, we already touched on, on past episodes and anyone who's been watching games realizes that a lot of teams are playing back-to-backs, uh, usually in the same city. So, uh, you know, the Bruins playing back-to-back games against uh, the New York Rangers at, at MSG. Uh, you know, the, the Toronto and Montreal playing each other back to back in the Bell Center. Uh, it's it's been it's been cool to see that kind of like that little, almost mini series. But what we've gotten between the Arizona Coyotes and the St. Louis Blues is legitimately a best of seven series in the regular season. Uh, and let me f- explain to you exactly how that happened. So on Tuesday, February 2nd, the Blues and the Coyotes played a uh, you know the first of what was supposed to be just normal back-to-back games uh, according to this uh, this you know condensed schedule. So two games, uh, Arizona, St. Louis won the first matchup four to three, uh, and then two days later on the fourth, uh, Arizona defeated um, St. Louis by a score of four to three as well. So four to three scores, but uh, each team won uh, that particular matchup. What the what the Coyotes were supposed to do next is they were supposed to play the Minnesota Wild back-to-back games, uh, again, according to the schedule. But due to the Wild having a COVID pause, both of those games were postponed. So in place of one of those Minnesota matchups, the Coyotes played, you guessed it, the Blues again. Uh, and uh, and they won three to one. Okay. So uh, due to that postponement and rescheduling of another game, the Blues and Coyotes played three consecutive games against one another. 
But of course, the second part of that back-to-back against the Wild was also, you guessed it, postponed due to that COVID pause. So in the replaying of a previously postponed game against St. Louis, there was a fourth consecutive game between the St. Louis Blues and Arizona Coyotes. This one was, again, won by Arizona. So if you're keeping track, these first four games, Arizona won three out of the first four. Again, this is not really a playoff series. This is still regular season play, but uh, in what looked to be a best-of-seven series, the Coyotes were up three games to one. What followed next was supposed to be the Coyotes playing the Colorado Avalanche, Lawrence Colorado Avalanche, in back-to-back games in Colorado due to a COVID pause for the Avalanche that was postponed. So guess who the Arizona Coyotes were going to play next in back-to-back games? (laughs) You guessed it, the St. Louis Blues. (laughs) This is just too bizarre. So in back-to-back games uh, just uh, two days ago, so on Friday the 12th and Saturday the 13th, the St. Louis Blues won back-to-back games, uh, defeating the uh, Coyotes 4-1 to in regulation, and then a 5-4 overtime victory. So really, what we have here is six consecutive games between the Blues and the Arizona Coyotes, which each team has won three games. We, like, this almost seems like a legitimate best-of-seven. Well, guess what? The next game for the Arizona Coyotes is on Monday, the 15th, uh, possibly when you're listening to this pod. Guess who it is? It's against the St. Louis Blues. The Blues and the Arizona Coyotes are supposed to play each other eight times, being in the same division. They are playing seven of those games in a row due to uh, postponements in between. This is one of the most bizarre and amazing things that we've ever seen. And so this is actually turned into a best of seven and it's being talked about by both teams as if it's a best of seven series, even though it's regular season, neither team will be eliminated if they lose this game seven. But this is one of the weirdest and actually coolest things that I have ever seen in, uh, in hockey history, a regular season best of seven series, both teams playing, you know, seven consecutive games against the other uh, so Game 7 is actually going to be at 2 p.m. Mountain Time uh, on, on Monday. So middle of the afternoon, I mean, technically I'm working. I'm going to see if I can tune into this game. I want to see a Game 7 in the middle of February, which I never thought I would see. Uh, so, Haley, I'll start with you. Uh, this is one of the most bizarre stories I've ever, uh, I've ever seen. Did you know that this was going on? Uh, and uh, if not, like... How how do you feel about this? This is incredible. I didn't know this was going on. I, I try not to pay attention to the blues at all. But um, I think it's really cool. And I bet you that they play like it's a game set. But, you know, even though it's regular season, I bet they're going to play all out tomorrow. So I'm probably going to watch it because it's going to be a good game. Um, I hope that the blues lose that game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but anyways, um, I think it's really cool. I'm like, what are they going to do if now they've played like almost all eight games, right? So they play them one more time. It's eight games, but there's more COVID things going on in that division. And they're the only teams that can play. Do they play more than eight times or like. What That's we- interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> if, if every other team can't play, maybe they're just like, you know what? We need to get product on the ice. Blues, Coyotes. <laughs> 
best of 12 series, best of like, best of 13, because uh, that's to be odd. So yeah, like just continue to play until someone's the clear victor. I mean, it's just, it's, it's nuts. Uh, like I, in a year that is already crazy and we're, we're seeing, you know, postponements left and right teams having to pause, uh, it came about in a chaotic way, but this has actually been very, very cool to see. Uh, and I, I feel like the NHL should be promoting this more because uh, it's a cool way to have fun, a cool way to get engagement. Yeah, they should be like promoting it like a Game 7 right now because I bet you so many people will tune into that game tomorrow. Oh, yeah. like They, they should be putting this on NBC. Again, I know it's a Monday, but you had a lot of people working from home. People can stream online. Like they, should, they should be promoting this like a Game 7 and just tr- do what they can to get people to tune in. They really should. Uh, Lauren, like, what is your takeaway from this? Like, are, are people going to be making uh, you know, Coyotes blew a 3-1 lead jokes like they did with, uh, with the Warriors uh, in 2016? Like, uh, like I, for a regular season series, there's suddenly, uh, you know, at least in terms of the internet, some pressure on Arizona to uh, to not blow a 3-1 lead and, and win this game seven. Yeah, this is fun as hell. I mean, you, you, it's, I mean, it's regular season and it's, you know, game seven, quote unquote. It just gives more of a fun feel to the regular season, especially in a season where it's so crazy and COVID is messing things up day to day. It gives fans some fun, something to look forward to. And it's all right now anyway it's like nothing's on the line um but it i'm all here for the 3-1 blue 3-1 lead it i just love i love when stuff like that happens not when it's my team but it's just it's fun to watch because it's fun to watch fans react fans melt down and fans just go nuts um but i love it i think it's unfortunate that it, it happened the way it did but i absolutely love this i just thought of this right now if uh, if St. Louis were to win uh, this game seven, quote unquote, it would be Arizona blue, the color blue, B L U E, a three one lead. Huh? Huh? <laughs> we're we're tra- trying to jinx this into an existence. We don't want that. We want Arizona to win. So no. Well, maybe I, your reverse jinx will work though. That's fine. Well, as as we found out on this podcast, anyone who I say is going to win winds up losing or vice versa. Uh, so, yeah, that reverse jinx tends to work really well. But uh, listen, I'm just thinking about the content, Haley. Uh, that, that I I hope that no one has as dorky of a brain as me and thinks of this because uh, I would love to be able to tweet that out and be the only one to, to do it. Uh, we'll definitely do that from the Snipe and Sally Twitter account if that's the case. <laughs> um, but I just I think this is like super cool. Uh, I. Again, you got to make the best of a, a weird situation, and that's what we have right now in the NHL with teams uh, having to pause. Uh, just it seems like things are running super rocky right now. Uh, we, you know, we took a huge victory lap when there were no positive cases inside the bubble, and it seems like now operating outside of a bubble, the NHL has been look. They've looked worse than the NFL. Uh, you know, uh, for the all of the NFL's faults. At least they were administering rapid testing to uh, to players, and you know you had all the tweets from from uh, Rappaport or Adam Schefter that people were joking about at some point, saying like "all clear for game day." But it's like, well, okay, at least they were going through those protocols. They were having players take these rapid tests every day that we know can be uh, you know not a hundred percent accurate, uh, but at least they were you know, taking precautions to make sure that people were healthy, and. 
potentially a smooth transition into what we want to talk about next. And listen, I, I get it. We don't want to spend too much time on this because we, I, I feel like a broken record saying this every week. We don't want to talk about COVID every week. But it, it in this case, we have to acknowledge that the NHL has taken just such a backwards approach to handling this virus. Again, it's not like they didn't have practice doing this just a few months ago. You know, we had a bubble. Uh, we, we had a very successful one uh, where testing was done uh, constantly. And it just seems weird that apparently the part of the NHL's protocols prior to a few days ago did not involve POC uh, rapid testing. Uh, right now we have the Buffalo Sabres, Colorado Avalanche, as we just covered, Minnesota Wild, as we just covered, New Jersey Devils, and Philadelphia Flyers, all with players on the league's COVID protocol absences list. Uh, all of these teams have had uh, games postponed. Some of them had their seasons, you know, temporarily paused. Uh, you know, literally within the last 12 hours, we learned that Steven Stamkos was on the COVID protocol list uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, it's been really crazy uh, because, again, these teams are playing each other back-to-back games, so it has the potential to spread like wildfire, just like it did inside the NWHL bubble. So... To this point, the NHL has postponed nearly 40 games due to COVID-19. Uh, these games are going to be made up and be rescheduled. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know they're as of right now. You know, every other day you see the you know the Bruins have had to reschedule multiple games uh, due to you know playing Buffalo or uh, or New Jersey. But the bottom line is that it, right now the NHL, after previously loosening. COVID protocols. You know, we talked about one of our last episodes, how uh, they said, oh, yeah, you can actually arrive to the rink earlier than an hour and a half before games because you want to go through your usual routines. That's fine. Uh, In only about a week and a half, they've now realized, okay, that's not working either. We need to tighten things. We need to give out rapid testing, which apparently was not being done before. Uh, You know, and now now players are going to be tested as well as on ice officials, staff uh, on Every day, every day, especially on uh, you know day of game, I just I I understand that it's a little bit uh, it lacks perspective to have all these rapid tests available for sports teams uh, and leagues in general when there are people, there are everyday people who can't get them. But considering these leagues have the means to pay for them, I guess I don't understand why this wasn't being done. So uh, you know, Lauren, I'll go to you first. Do you do you think the NHL is finally starting to get this right? Uh, you know they're not going to be able to eliminate postponements altogether, especially outside of a bubble. But do you think that this should finally work? And are you surprised that this wasn't being done before? Um, I'm very surprised that this was not being done before. Um, I don't think this is the end of changes. I don't think this is uh, a permanent fix. I think there's always going to be issues until everyone decides to get vaccinated or they go to a bubble. I know bubbles aren't really sustainable for a regular season because you're asking people to be away from their families and just kind of isolate themselves. And yes, I get it. They make millions of dollars. This is their job. But you're still asking a human being to be away from his wife and kids or to be away from maybe a sick parent. You just don't know. So um, to not, I'm surprised that they weren't doing all that testing before just because um, it's obviously a contact sport. They're traveling a lot. I know they're traveling, you know, they've tried to reduce the traveling in a, in a sense. But I just, I just don't understand how leagues think they can just 
keep going. Um, you know, we saw it in the NBA. We saw that two or three weeks into the season, they had this outbreak. It's getting better now. And I think that's kind of where we are with the NHL. But it's just, why weren't you testing so much prior? If somebody has an inconclusive test, don't let them play. Because even if it does come back positive and it's a false positive, you're still putting an entire team at risk, plus your opponent. Um, this is, I just think that this is, I said this earlier about something else, but like, I think it's the tip of the iceberg. I think there's going to be a ton more postponements, um, even with the testing um, more frequently, because I think there'll be more positives, again, whether that's false positive or not. But in these rapid tests, they are, they're hard to trust. And I say that only because um, I'm a frequent getter of strep throat. And so several times my rapid test comes back negative, but it's very obvious that I have it. So I just don't trust rapid tests at all, but I just don't understand why they weren't taking these kinds of precautions before, especially because you saw it last year. You like, postponed your season and or paused your season. You've just seen it like ravage the country. Like, what are you guys doing that you're not doing everything possible to test as often as you can? That's my thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, there wasn't adequate ventilation in penalty boxes, uh, apparently, uh, you know, teams were not actively mandated to distribute as many uh, facial covers, uh, you know, uh, masks uh, as, uh, as you know, you see in the, in the NFL, especially people, you know, the minute players get onto the sideline, they're putting the mask on. I'm not entirely sure what that does, uh, <laughs> considering you're around all these people before, but at least they're making the effort. And you know, not uh, having having uh, team meetings uh, in in person. Again, if you're not practicing or playing, there's no reason for you to be in person. Like these should and uh, now are going to be done virtually. But I can't believe that they that wasn't the case before. Uh, it just I hate to give the NFL credit because I have been trashing the NFL and making fun of them. Uh, but you know more more seriously, you know, being critical of their lack of interest in actual player safety uh, and, you know, prioritizing player safety. But uh, it seems like they're doing a better job not putting their uh, coaches and players at risk than the NHL is right now. And I, I can't believe that I'm saying that. Uh, you know, Haley, do you, do you agree? Do you think that the NFL somehow actually got it right, despite uh, us all thinking that it was a walking dumpster fire all season long? I mean, some parts, yes. Obviously, the, the NFL couldn't do a bubble the way the NHL did. Nobody's asking them to do that. It's just not possible with that many games. So we're not asking the NHL to do that for a full season. But as simple as having meetings over Zoom or whatever program instead of in person, like, that's kind of a duh. Like, that's kind of obvious. So it... I don't know, it blows my mind that that was not already something that was being done. Like Lauren said, it canceled your season. You know people are still, like, at schools are even still at least partially virtual, if not all the way virtual in some cities, in some states. So you know that this world is still in that state of a pandemic where a lot of things are being handled virtually, yet you're still going to do things that are, like, unnecessary. Obviously, you can't practice over zoom you can't have games over zoom that's not possible It'd be really funny to watch them try to do that somehow it's just not possible but they should be taking every other precaution that they can take and not going backwards like 
we gave you so many props for how great you did in the bubble and how much better you were doing than every other sport. And now you're kind of just trying to be the worst. It's weird. It is. It is. And like Lauren said, I just, I, I don't think this is going to be the end of problems. No. Uh, unfortunately, we're probably going to talk in a future episode about how things uh, got off the rail, rails even further. I just, I, more than anything else, as much as I love having hockey in my life, it is my favorite sport. Uh, you know, I've spoken about how it was my impetus to start this podcast in, the, uh, in general because I, I love it so much. I would rather have the league take a two-week break and, you know, get things all clear and restart with these more rigid, uh, you know, protocols in place than risk players actively, you know, because people forget that, you know, there are examples of, you know, athletes, you know, uh, Von Miller in the NFL, Eduardo Rodriguez in Major League Baseball, uh, who have cited legitimate health complications after they quote unquote recovered from COVID-19. You know, it's not the same as just a regular flu uh, you know, there are people who are, are developing legitimate health problems from it. And so I want these players to be healthy. I want them to be safe. And it seems like the league is is just not taking the, the, the steps needed. And again, we, we don't want to make this uh, a COVID podcast, but it just it is legitimately impacting the product on the ice in kind of uh, cool, creative ways, as we just covered with the Blues and Coyotes. Uh, but also in bad ways in the sense that, you know, players are testing positive. Luckily, I don't believe so far that we've heard of any players who have had long-term complications uh, since, you know, since their positive tests. And it seems like some of them are, are, are coming back. They, they look just fine, which is great. But it just it, it's disappointing to see that the league, uh, despite having experience in dealing with, uh, you know, this virus, is is seemingly not taking it very seriously. But uh, like I said, unfortunately, it'll probably be a theme that pops up in a future episode. That being said, I want to talk about the games that are going on and uh, who is impressing us, you know. And again, it can be players, it can be uh, teams in general, but, you know, what or who has really stood out to you over this last week or so on the ice? And Lauren, I want to start with you first. Uh, you know, just what, uh, what has really stuck out to you in both a positive and negative way uh, since uh, the last time we recorded? Um, I feel like I say this every week, but the Bruins, again, have impressed me in ways that also give me heart attacks. Um, they've been playing from behind constantly. Um, their last game that they won um, before Saturday, I think it was Friday night, was like the first game I've covered besides their home opener that was not a come-from-behind win. So that was nice to see. However... It's just, I don't think playing from behind is sustainable. And I would prefer that they didn't because, again, they just give me heart attacks. And it's really just, I have, like, my my record queued up on Twitter. And then I'm like, oh, should I delete it? Did I just jinx them? Like, <laughs> stuff. But overall, they have impressed me. I think the defense is still really good. I like what I've seen from Kevin Miller and Brandon Carlo and... Obviously, they're missing Matt Grizzlick right now. That guy just can't catch a break. But I'm not too worried about the defense. And going into the season, I was because Tori Krug and Zidane Char are big losses. And I think they have not missed a beat. They are really stepping up and really owning their roles. So that's awesome. Um, and the disappointments, man, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the Flames still. I think I said that last week, too. The Flames are – I had them winning that division – 
Again, there's still time, but you have the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Canadians just running this North Division. Um, the Flames, as it stands now, if the season ended today, they would not be in the playoff race. They would, they're, they're sixth. So they're not even like, I mean, they're close, but they're not right there. Um, so that's kind of uh, upsetting just because I don't like being that wrong. Uh, my abs, obviously, that goes without saying they're fine. <laughs> they're perfect. Um, I think the Blues, too, are kind of impressing me. I know that they're a strong team, but they have a two or three game win streak right now, top of their division, but they're doing fine. But, oh, no, the Stars. The Stars have lost five in a row. Like, what is going on with the Stars? Um, I had that written down, too, but, of course, I don't have my paper in front of me. But they're just, I mean, I think I had them either second or first in that division, and again, there's still time. Season's early. It's COVID, getting all these postponements, blah, blah, blah. But five in a row, that's a, that's a, that's a lot for the Stars. Yeah, uh, they've certainly cooled off after that. Uh, like that, They had a bunch of games postponed to start the season. Uh, then they, they started late, but then came out of the, the gate scoring left and right. They, they rattle off a bunch of wins. And yeah, uh, I think they've, they're like 0-3-2 over their, their, over their last five. They lost a couple in OT, but yeah, they, they can't seem to get it done right now. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been interesting to see some of these fluctuations from, uh, from different teams. Uh, Haley, I'm assuming that one of your disappointments are the San Jose Sharks, uh, but I'll let you confirm that for us. Uh, but uh, you know, who has been impressing and depressing you uh, since the last time we recorded? Look, the Sharks just want to go to shootouts, apparently. Like, that's their thing right now. Um, and it is disappointing, but I'm also seeing some really good play out of, like, Evander Kane and, of course, Logan Couture. I feel like if there's somebody you have to depend on that on that team to make a goal, then it is Logan Couture. Um, so even though, like, the them as a team are disappointing, they do have some people, I feel like, that are playing really well still even through all of the disappointment. And sometimes that can be hard, like when you consistently lose to keep a positive mindset and play as well as you do. Um, I also find the stars to be disappointing and I'm not a stars fan living in Texas, but the fact that they are not playing so well right now, I'm just going to blame the weather on them um, not playing well. So if they could start playing better so that we could have better weather, that would be really nice. Um, yeah. Direct correlation there. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Direct correlation. <laughs> I'm making it right now. So it's happening. And um, they're going to win a game. We're going to get some sunshine and hopefully get rid of the snow that's coming. But honestly, so, so I would go with the Bruins as well. And of course, I mean, I, I think the Flyers are still doing really well. I wish they would do just a bit better and maybe beat the Bruins when they play them at least once this season. But no hope there at this point based on how they've played them. But I feel like the Bruins people were in the, before the season started, they were automatically like, no, they're not going to do well. They're, they're not going to go anywhere And this. Look how bad they played in the bubble or whatever. And I feel like they're just, even though they're come from behind wins, they're just like trying to prove people wrong and make sure that they win those games because they're like, Oh, you didn't think we're going to do well. Well, here you go. And then um, I'm surprised to still see the Panthers so high up in their division. It's like Tampa Bay won, and now they're like, we're also in Florida, so can you pay attention to us? <laughs> and they started winning, and they want to be part of these uh, boat parades and all that as well. Yeah, it's 
it's been a surprise to see Florida play that well. They're just a team that you just feel they're forgettable year after year. But uh, uh, listen, I, I've touched on it before. I cannot let a podcast go by without mentioning just how proud of a Nick Ritchie stan I am. Uh, Nick Ritchie scored the only goal in the Bruins' one nothing win over the Rangers the other night. Uh, he has five goals this season. Uh, he's playing so well for the Bruins that, uh, despite being on the third line to start the season, he's actually stuck on the Bruins' second line, even though Jake DeBrusque has returned from injury. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is basically saying, uh, listen, this guy is providing such great net presence. Uh, he's scoring timely goals. He, uh, you know, he, he looks good next to David Krejci. We're actually not going to stick Jake DeBrusque in his natural spot on the second line left wing uh, because Nick Ritchie just looks like he belongs there right now. So uh, Nick Ritchie, I bought in on him as soon as the Bruins acquired him last, almost a year ago. Uh, I refused to turn on him like many Bruins fans did in the bubble. And I'm just reaping the rewards right now. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking a nice stroll victory lap around Bruins Twitter uh, every time that he does something incredible, which is just always um, and, uh, and I, I just, I, I really, I'd like to point it out because, uh, I am not someone who shies away from giving myself credit. I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with how Nick Ritchie's looked in the ice. Uh, but I'm not even going to mention the Ottawa senators and I appreciate my line mate, Lauren, not continuing to twist the knife, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, point out the fact that I missed so horribly on the senators. I still think they have a bright future, but yeah, they stink right now, along with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you know, both teams I had in the playoffs uh, in my our season preview, and both of them are six and seven in the Scotia North Division. With does not look like any hope of uh, of making up any ground there, despite it being somewhat early in the season. But uh, yeah, it just it seems like a lost cause for those teams. I'll also say uh, Washington is a team that I would uh, put in the disappointment category. They've lost three in a row. Uh, they had a really hot start. Ironically enough, uh, it was the Boston Bruins who kind of cooled them off and uh, with, you know, taking them to overtime, winning uh, one of those two games, getting three out of four points. And they've, they've now lost three consecutive games since then. It, uh, it, they're, in a, they're a negative goal differential team. Uh, I, I didn't think that letting Braden Holt be go was necessarily the best decision, despite the fact that he has regressed a little bit uh, in recent years. I, I think that he would have made sense to retain on that team. Uh, the fact that Henrik Lundqvist was supposed to be a part of that team and then obviously due to his heart condition wasn't able to remain there plays a role there as well. But uh, it's a it's a somewhat older roster, a lot of veterans, and they look to have slowed down a little bit. So we'll have to see if they can pick things up again. But as of right now, yeah, I have to put Washington in the disappointment category. I got to talk about my Isles. They, they look good. Again, they're the Bruins kryptonite, and they have uh, they've quickly moved themselves back into a playoff spot. Uh, this is again. This is the type of hockey they play. They play low-scoring games. They're uh, they're actually a negative goal differential team as well. Uh, but they are very very stingy in terms of goals allowed. They just cannot seem to score very many. Uh, so if Matt Barzal and that group continues JG Pajot to uh, to find ways to generate scoring, they can be a threat. So I'm very impressed with how they look right now. And yeah, listen, I got to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks because. Chicago was a team that it, I mean, it was a bizarre situation where uh, you know their front office genuinely pointed out like, hey, 
we're we're going with a youth movement. Uh, you know, we're we're letting Corey Crawford go. He wound up retiring after signing with the Devils, but uh, you know, before that, they had decided to let him go. Uh, they said they were going with a full-on youth movement, and fans were really upset. A lot of fans were like, "I can't understand why this team is uh, just admittedly actively tanking." And they look really good right now. They're five, two, and three over their last ten games. Uh, they just had a, a nice come-from-behind win against Columbus, the team that we just spent a lot of time talking about um, last night. It's a young team, but it's a team that you know we already saw that they had an impressive showing in in the bubble. Um, you know, they a surprising victory over the Oilers in postseason play, and they look like they they're a team on the rise right now. And that's despite uh, you know the the mysterious uh, you know uh, Tave situation. Uh, you know that I still think is 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 very odd, but. They look pretty good. They're they're getting close to getting into a playoff spot in the Discover Central Division, and I hope they keep it going because it's a, it's a cool young team. They're very flawed. Uh, again, they're also a negative goal differential team. They give up a lot of goals, but they're starting to score a lot of goals too. So I look forward to seeing them moving forward. And with that, I think that's going to cover you know some of our our play on the ice. Uh, but before we kind of wrap things up, I want to go to both of my line mates and uh, see if they have an empty netter for us today. So, uh, you know, Lauren, we'll start with you. Any kind of closing thoughts that you want to get off uh, before we wrap things up? Yeah, so I think last week's episode I said that um, Derek and I have a bet that if Pasta scores 50 goals, I have to buy him a Pasternak uh, retro reverse jersey. Um, We were watching the game the other night. I'd had some wine, and I think Marky would message the group and be like, make another bet. (laughs) Or something along those lines. And um, when right after, it was the night Nick Ritchie scored. And I'm like, hey, if Nick Ritchie scores 20 goals and Derek cuts me off and goes, oh, I'll buy you a Nick Ritchie jersey. I'm like, okay, wait, hold on. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want that as a jersey. Can, can he but, buy me a Nick Ritchie jersey? Oh, okay. There we go. Because <laughs> you insinuate, like, you were the reason behind this bet. So, you know what? I think you're on to something. And I was like, um, okay, why not? And then he's like, wait, no. Like, that's, like, realistic. That could happen. I was like. So you're admitting to me that Poshnok scoring 50 isn't so realistic because you don't, you are so happy to take that bet. And he's like, wait, no, hold on. Wait, no. I'm like, I just want an Anders Bjork jersey. And then, so I think we settled on like a jersey of my choice, which is fine because every time I've bought a jersey, there that person is gone, no matter what uh, sport it is. So in this, and you know, we're trying to save for a wedding. So it, it, anything that uh, saves us money and doesn't get one of these players to go to a different team but I just thought that was really funny where he was just like oh wait no that's realistic like I can't do that <laughs> it's like uh oh okay like but so yeah there is now a bet if Nick Ritchie scores uh 20 goals so Nick if you're listening please do it um I will gladly get a jersey or a jersey of yours and like Mark I'll be your biggest fan I'll do it I will go to war for you yeah, uh, and I'm now involved in this bet, so I will also be receiving a Nick Ritchie jersey. I'm not sure from who, but uh, it, it's it's going to happen as the number one Nick Ritchie stockholder uh, of, of all Bruins fans. Uh, uh, business is booming right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, Lauren, uh, you know, the, the whenever wine is involved, uh, she's going to make another bet. Uh, so I assume that there's going to be another bet made shortly following uh, the conclusion of this podcast. <laughs> He just left for work, so I think he's just like, I'm getting out of here. So before more jerseys are, uh, are, are on the way. Uh, yeah. Hales, how about you? Do you have an empty netter for us tonight? I feel like I need to find a way to make a bet to get a gritty jersey now. Like, how? Do, who 
do I make a bet with to buy me a gritty jersey? <laughs> oh, we should do a bet with our listeners. Right? <laughs> How I about think that's a good, that, yeah, that's, that's a good plan. If the actually beat the Bruins, somebody <laughs> me a gritty jersey. <laughs> Well, I mean, I listen, uh, the Bruins have won the first four, but you know, there are four games left. I feel like our listeners will have to buy you a gritty jersey if, like, the Flyers win three out of those four. I feel like that's a, that's a, a good bet. Or even two, you know, let's let's say they split, 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. I hope they win all four, but I guess two. We'll go with two. <laughs> all right, so it's out there now. Haley hey. is going to get... Everyone's getting jerseys. Uh, I'm getting a Nick Ritchie jersey. Uh, Lauren's getting an Anders Bjork jersey. Lauren would die for Anders Bjork. Uh, and Haley's getting a gritty jersey. So everyone's getting jerseys. Uh, I think that's the best case scenario for all of us. I'm so excited about my gritty jersey. Come on, Flyers. You let me down about the cat. I got one anyway, but not because of that <laughs> bet. Not, not the point. Don't let me down for the gritty jersey. Exactly. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna be that's gonna be awesome. Uh, my empty netter that I want to uh, touch on here is Jumbo Joe, one of my favorite players of all time, longtime Bruin, former Bruin captain, uh, obviously a uh, longtime San Jose Shark as well. He is, uh, you know, trying to make uh, make his debut for the Maple Leafs, um, and he has missed about ten games with a fractured rib. Jumbo Joe is returning to the ice. Um, and so I, I apologize. He did play the first, uh, uh, you know, game or two of the season for the Maple Leafs, but uh, he's missed the last 10. And listen, I just, no matter how long Joe Thornton plays, I will always be supportive of him. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that he's been able to, uh, re- recover, uh, from this rib injury. And I, I'm just, I'm super excited uh, to see Joe Thornton back on the ice, despite the fact that I despise the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I will make an exception for Joe Thornton. Uh, I am just super excited to see him back on the ice, uh, I gotta say that Maple Leafs sweater looks somewhat natural on him, despite uh, him only wearing it for a couple games. But I just—he's uh, one of the most interesting per- people in all of hockey, and I, I wish him success. I hope that the Maple Leafs lose every game, but Joe Thornton plays well because that's uh, that's the type of guy he is. And uh, I do—I'm still sad that he exited Boston the way that he did. Uh, Mike O'Connell should be tried for war crimes. Uh, for trading him for the return that he got, the the Sharks basically robbed the Bruins blind. Uh, but I'm I'm happy for Joe that he's had a, a fantastic career and that he gets to cap it off with a Maple Leafs team that uh, you know we haven't mentioned them, but it's because they continue to stay hot. They're a uh, red hot atop the Scotia North Division, and they don't have the Bruins in their way. They don't have the Lightning in their way. Uh, you know they can make some noise uh, at least until the conference finals. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, you know Joe Thornton. You know, almost 42 years old, still going strong. Uh, I love players who are able to stay in the league a long time. Yaramir Yager is uh, possibly my favorite hockey player ever because it doesn't matter how old he is, he's still scoring goals in professional hockey. I forget exactly where he's playing right now, but uh, Yager can still score no, no matter what level he's at. Uh, I love that Thornton is uh, is you know, still chasing his dream of playing uh, with his hometown uh, Maple Leafs. So uh, good for you, Jumbo Joe. Happy for you. With that being said, I do want to go around the virtual room here and have both of my line mates let our listeners know where they can be found online. So, Lauren, we'll start with you. Where else can our listeners hear you? Where can they uh, find your great coverage uh, from Nesson and uh, just follow you in general? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at la 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 Lauren. That's free laws and then Lauren with four R's. Um, you can find me at my coverage on Nesson.com. 
doing a lot of Bruins stuff, obviously, um, doing a ton of Red Sox stuff, getting ready for that because that season starts before we know it. Um, you can also hear me on the Stealing Second pod. Now that the offseason's starting to heat up, we have pitchers and catchers reporting this week. We're going to start you know, putting out episodes, talking about any rumors, our predictions, and fun fantasy baseball team names. So that's going to be amped up pretty soon. So we're really excited about that. And obviously, Snipe and Sally, you can hear me right here. And I think that's it. Well, uh, yeah, again, cannot stress enough. Uh, definitely follow Lauren's excellent coverage of the Bruins for Nesson. And, uh, yes, we're excited to have Stealing Second back soon uh, They uh, in baseball in general. It's a sign to us that spring is on the way. Maybe that doesn't mean as much for Haley usually, because uh, usually she has great weather, but it means a lot for us here in the Northeast, although we have to wait until about May, middle of May, to actually have decent warm weather. Uh, but, uh, yeah, excited to have baseball back in all of its forms. So definitely check out Stealing Second as well uh, in their return. Haley, where can our listeners find you? It's a lot of places, so, you know, you know, take a deep breath and uh, and let everyone know. Yes, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CSI Haley or on TikTok at CSI Haley 91. I do some videos for our podcast as well. So that's why I say that. Um, I co-host Fierce and Flawed, formerly one for the girls. And you can find that at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter. And there's a giveaway going on right now. So please go check it out. We have one entry so far. So there is still a very good odds of you winning the giveaway if you were to enter it. Uh, and then I also co-host Gridiron Girls. And you can find that at Girls Gridiron on Twitter and at Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram. And of course, for all of us, for thefansmedia.com, we have articles my mom has video blogs on there, so check it out. There's so much fun content and great, fun articles. Also, some very deep personal articles on there as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Haley. Uh, I cannot stress enough. Definitely visit the website. There is uh, some tremendous stuff on there, and we're going to look to be doing even more. We're going to try and dabble in more video content. We're going to try and get into streaming. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun over here at For the Fans Media. We're very excited about our future. As for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli13. That is P I S E L L I. You can see me uh, roasting the uh, Zack Snyder Justice League trailer. Uh, I have tried very hard to be uh, to be nice and not roast it, but uh, Jared Leto's Joker looks like Marilyn Manson, um, and it's uh, it, it's that's not someone you want to look like these days. Uh, so uh, you can find me on there. You can also hear me on NerdPod talking about that same Justice League trailer uh, that I hated so much, uh, as well as uh, you know recapping WandaVision. We have a ton of fun. Uh, Christian's a fantastic host, so uh, you know find us. Uh, you know search for NerdPod on Apple or Spotify, and uh, I'm also a member of the Fierce and Flawed podcast. So uh, make sure you're subscribing to that as well and enter Haley's giveaway. Uh, but that is pretty much the places. I, well, I'm sorry, I spoke too soon. Uh, the former House of Hoops podcast, uh, our basketball podcast here on FTF Media, we have rebranded and we are relaunching as Views from the Rafters. Uh, so we're very excited about that. We'll be getting our first episode up soon, so be sure to listen to that and, uh, and look for us on Twitter. It used to be uh, at House of Hoops Pod. It is now FTF Rafters Pod, so make sure to follow us. Uh, but that is definitely it. <laughs> so uh, for both of my line mates, I'd like to wish you a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening. 
uh, we can't wait to be back with you again. And until then, uh, let's enjoy every, all the action out on the ice. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.